Hey, <clears throat> shalom, 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 family. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, good night. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bread Podcast, where we read the word of Yahuwah daily. Very simple. The Daily Bread Podcast is presented to you guys by Living for Yahuwah Ministry, and uh, I'm your host, Dalai Yahoo Yasharal, Yahuwah Servant. <clears throat> So um, we here to read another chapter, family. That's what we do. That's the reason why we get together. Yahuwah is the cause for this great gathering. You see, so that's how it works. Uh, so pleased, so delighted for you guys to join us, and uh, your presence is much appreciated. Um, so yeah, we're here to read another chapter today. We are getting to. We're still in the book of Leviticus or Uyakura, and today we opening up chapter four. So we're definitely excited for that. And um, get some more understanding, learn something new, get closer to our culture, get closer to our Elohim. So, definitely looking forward to a great chapter. Um, before we start, just want to share with you uh, how this is going to go, the way how we operate. So, before we just jump into the chapter, um, I'm going to give you guys a recap first for those who may be new. Maybe it's your first time listening and you're not sure what chapter you're reading, why is this important, what is going on. So I want to take care of you guys first and um, explain where we at with the recap. After the recap, we're going to open up in prayer. And prayer is very important because that's how we uh, clear our hearts, clear our minds, clear our conscience, clear our sin. And, um, you know, make supplication with Elohim and we get on the same page with the Most High as we, before we read His Word, you see. And that um, clears our heart, clears our mind. And, uh, you know, we can understand the, the word better when we read so um, with that being said the recap how can I tell you about where we at um, <clears throat> what's important to know family is that uh, Uyakura or Leviticus it's the third book in the Torah the middle book out of the five books and um, it's very important so you had Genesis the beginning which was the creation of everything on heaven and earth uh, in six days he rested on the seventh day that's important because we still keep that same pattern. We rest on the seventh day. You should know about that. Um, but after Yahuwah made everything, we just see him on a on a hunt and just searching throughout the earth for righteous individuals. People like Noah, who he came to, we made a covenant with, and he delivered him. People like Abraham, Yahuwah came to him. He made a covenant with him. He delivered him. And um, that is very important because the same Allahim doing the same thing uh, today. So, uh, going back to the reference in the book of Genesis, the first book, we find people like Abraham, Mosai come to him, make a covenant with him, and the covenant was about travel. He had to leave his uh, place of his nativity and travel to the place that Yahuwah would show him. So we continue, that book is filled with the sojournings and travels of Abraham's children, his family, Isaac and Jacob. Jacob is Yasharal. Yasharal had 12 sons, which is the 12 tribes of Yasharal. So Yahuwah made a covenant with all of them. And that's what Genesis is about, right? All those covenants in the beginning of all of that. That leads us to Exodus. Because fortunately, Abraham's children, the children of Yasharal, went down into Egypt. Fortunately, we went down there to get uh, salvation, deliverance from famine. And the famine was very severe. But it was Yahuwah's plan for us to stay there and we ended up getting in bondage and uh harsh slavery very very bad slavery and again Yahuwah raised up a man from that lineage from abraham's children from yasharal's children 
called Moses and uh, the book of Exodus is Moses's signature book because we go from there in slavery at the beginning of the book to him meeting up with Elohim, getting the power, getting the spirit, getting the word from Elohim to tell Pharaoh to let the people go and let us worship you in the wilderness. So all of these things happen, the plagues happen, Passover happen. Very important cultural reference. You need to listen to Exodus just so you understand the feast days, the Passover, the appointed times. Because uh, Pesach is a memorial every year he wants us to remember what happened at that time of year when he brought our military divisions out, <clears throat> when he brought us out from the land of Egypt. So the book of Exodus is a signature book. Um, <clears throat> again, we go from being slaves to toward the end of the book, we at the mountain of Elohim receiving the ten words, the ten man, the, 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 the actual staples of the covenant. And the covenant that's not only for one individual no more, but it's for the whole nation of people, the nation of Yasharal. So Exodus or Shemut, great book, and it's a must read, and it's something you have to be familiar with. And it leads us to Leviticus because at the end of Exodus, they was getting the pattern of the tabernacle from off the top of the mountain. Moses, what Moses saw, and uh, he told us how exactly to build a meeting place with Elohim. So they built that meeting place, that temple, <clears throat> or that tent of meeting, tabernacle, and uh, that's where we wake. That's where we start right now in Leviticus or Uyakra. Now, Aaron, his sons, Moses' brother, and the whole family of Levitical priesthood has been chosen to be priests to Elohim. The other 11 tribes are contributors uh, of the family wealth and stuff like that. And the priests are, they take care of the orders of operation, basically. So now we're reading about this instruction to the priest. Leviticus is about, mostly about the priestly operation. And uh, it may be the most boring book for some or the most looked over book in the Torah. But it is the most impactful because it spells out the culture. A to Z, the way how we walk, the things we did, and these are things our forefathers understood to the T. So now we're in Leviticus and we get we understand the grain offering, the peace offering, the burnt offering, all the different ways and means a person would want to make a trip to the temple and what they would have to what they require to bring as far as pleasing Allahim, making an offerings to Allahim. So we still want to please Allahim, we still want to make offerings to him. So we're reading about our culture and our history right now, family. So we're in the book of Leviticus. Thank you guys for joining us, and we will continue. So with that being said, let us open up in prayer at this point. Yeah, so we're going to open up in prayer because prayer, again, is another important part of our culture, important part of how we function as a people. We have to communicate with our Elohim. We built like that. So, uh, yeah, let's open up in prayer. and. Daily bread, living for Yahuwah, beat down Yahuwah. We pray according to the Hebrew custom. We stand uh, in the congregation or as an assembly. We stand, um, face the direction of where the temple once stood, the direction of Jerusalem. Um, we uh, lift up our hands, we open our palms, and we bow our head. And uh, all of these is ways, Hebrew culture, the ways how they pray. You can find more details about prayer and specifically the covenant made about prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8. And uh, it's all spelled out regarding the temple and his people. So let us pray, family. Baruch Atah Yehuah, Hamalat Ulam. Our Father who is in the heavens, permit your name to be set apart. Permit 
your reign or your kingdom to come. Permit your desire to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come before you praying, make a supplication and ask it today that you give us this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. Sustain us, Yahuwah, like only you know how. We ask that also ask that you forgive us for our sins and our trespasses against your Torah and your commands as we forgive our dead oars. And we forgive those who trespass against us and we forgive each other, Yahuwah. We also ask that you allow us not to be led into trial, but save us and deliver us from the wicked one. For yours is the reign, the power, and the esteem, now and forever. Uh, these things and more we pray in the name of our Mashiach and Sovereign, Yahusha. Hello, Yahuwah. Yahuwah. Amen. So, yes, family, that was great, man. The recap, I appreciate you guys for bearing with me through the recap. Through the prayer and uh, now it's time to get into the reason we are all here to learn more about the priesthood and specifically Oyakara Leviticus chapter 4 so let me give you guys a chance to turn to the that book Leviticus chapter 4 if you're reading along if not if you're there that's great Leviticus chapter 4 verse 1 and Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying Speak to the people of Yasharal, saying, If anyone sins unintentionally in any of Yahuwah's commandments about things about things not to be done and does any one of them. So what is this telling us, family? I don't want to stop too much. The word speaks for itself, but just to make sure we understand the rest of this chapter clearly, what is this saying? People love to talk about ignorance. Oh, I, I never knew we, we can't eat pork, so don't tell me, so I'm going to just keep eating it. I never knew we were supposed to keep it Shabbat, but I don't want to know. So he got commandments. This is a contract and a covenant family. It's legally binding. Even in our advanced Western society, understanding is legally binding. How much more in times of antiquity, okay? Just please understand this for a minute. So the point is... He made up these definitions for what's sin and what's not. His understanding of righteousness is the only understanding of righteousness. It's the only thing we justify by. Not our friends, our family, our current government. They don't justify us, first of all. Second of all, if we understand that his law is the law, can we say we're not bound to it because we didn't know? That's the question. It's a, oh, man. It's a, it's a great question. Because all of us have had family members like this. We've all had this conversation at some point. Because we don't know, does that make his Torah not valid? Does that make it not stand? Is our ignorance an excuse to uh, negate us or unobligate un un us from our the covenant we born into? Our forefathers took an oath. Matter of fact, they put blood on our head. And they said, <laughs> put play by our children anyway the point is because we didn't know is that an excuse no it's not it's, I'm gonna give you the short answer it's not and you still in sin and you still we be judged and held accountable so as soon as you know you have a duty to turn and repent and uh, it's clearly spelled out here in this chapter so I want you to understand what we're reading from this point on just you hearing the word because the word everybody ain't get a chance to read the word in antiquity it was very few copies and it wasn't no printing presses. So we would gather to hear the word. 
And if you hear it, you must do it. So at this point, you raising your right hand and swearing in the oath that you're going to do it to Ra. And I, 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 we got clear for the day. We got some clearance for the day. We prayed. That's why we pray and get forgiveness of our sins. Because even if we didn't know we sinned, guess what? You still liable. You still culpable. You are still, uh, you still waiting for judgment for everything you did, no matter whether you knew it or not. So let's just get it clear that we all will be judged for what we do, right or wrong. And uh, let's read verse two again, because this is very important. We see where it's coming from. Yahuwah telling Moses to speak to all the people of Yashara and let you know this one thing. Speak to the people of Yashara saying, if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the commandments of Yahuwah's commandments about things not to be done and does any of them. Verse three, if it is the anointed priest who sins, so nobody is exempt. No, when he say this, like the anointed priest, that's like Mashiach, the one who is anointed. Yo, if he's anybody could get it. If it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people. Oh man. Then he will offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to Yahuwah for a sin offering. So that's what we're talking about today, family. We're talking about the sin offering of ignorance. A particular sin offering. Yeah, family. So we're talking about a particular sin offering. Verse 4. He will bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before Yahuwah and lay his hand on the head of the bull and kill the bull before Yahuwah. And imagine, again, we're talking about transference. The, main, the most important part is laying your hand on the head of the animal and before you kill it, right? The sin is transferred. But also, again, thinking about the butcher shop, these people were the priests, just butcher shop. That's what's going on. Verse 5, the anointed priest will take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting, butcher shop. And the priest will dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before Yahuwah in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest will put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before Yahuwah that is in the tent of meeting. And all the rest of the blood of the bull he will pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the tent, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Very detailed process, but the point is, ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance is no excuse. It's a little bit different process. That blood got to get sprinkled seven times. Notice the sevens, family. Notice the sevens. Now we're talking about ignorance, and he's talking about a lot of sevens. So some of the sacrifices seem the same, but they're a little bit nuances, a little bit different each time, depending on what the sacrifice is for. It's a different solution. So these things we got to pay attention for as we put our feet in the, in the shoes of the priests. Verse 8, family. And all the fat of the bull of the sin offering, he will remove from it. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he will remove with the kidneys. Verse 10 is telling us, just as these were taken from the ox in the sacrifice of peace offerings, which we read about, and the priest will burn them on the altar of burnt offering. And it's important to note, like, again, the orders of operation, the steps. And we noticing that as we put our feet in the shoes of a butcher, that we notice they're not taking the meat as a sacrifice. A certain part of the meat is burnt up, right? 
especially in the whole burnt offering, but in some of these peace offerings and sin offerings, the priest is able to eat the meat. But notice the parts that Yahuwah is asking for for the sacrifice is the parts in most cases we don't eat. The liver, the, the kidneys, the long lobe, and um, <clears throat> the fat that's covering the um, these certain pieces. So the fat is what Yahuwah is specifically asking for so you have clarity of these offerings. What, what exactly is going on? He's asking for the fat and the liver and kidneys. And I'm going to give you a little bit of example why that's important. Because the liver and kidneys, in another place, we see that liver and kidneys were used for divination. It say that, I think with Balak or Balaam, when he came to curse Yasharal, so I'm getting, I digress a little bit, family, but I want to give you this example. In another place, it's written about how a person was trying to do some, uh, some spiritual warfare, let's call it, and uh, make a sacrifice. And he was trying to bring up a curse on the people of Yasharal. Which we know these sacrificial rules are universal. It's a universal thing. Like sinning intentionally or unintentionally. It's universal. The punishment is the same, right? It's a punishment for it regardless. But certain things are universal. So the be able to make a sacrifice it, in the blood, it, it, it initiates something, whether good or bad. So people can make a sacrifice to bring a curse, let's say, right? But what we know is they use the low... The kidneys for divination. It is able to. I, I can't explain to you. I've never done it. But what I'm telling you, what I've seen through uh, scriptures and uh, studying, is some significance to these organs that Yahuwah is asking for. The, the kidneys and the liver. Um, the kidneys are used to forecast and use some type of divination. They were able to use the kidneys for something, and uh, it was able to. They were able to discern something. When they look at the kidney. So right now as we putting our feet in the shoes of butchers and priests. What we see is we is giving us a little bit more understanding of how the um, the modern um, medical industry works. Because we know that they um, always have cadavers. They always dissecting dead bodies and dead things. And they take in these certain vital organs. <clears throat> and some people are able to use it for discerning things. Whether good or bad. But we see this is like a universal thing. That's why not too many people are into this today. Uh, slaughtering animals, even processing our own meat. We don't even do it. We, we, we leave that to the hands of, of other people in most cases. But that's completely foreign um, concept for our forefathers. They process their own meat, they eat. And the, 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 the other parts of the animal, the liver, the lobe of the kidneys, they, they knew what to do with it. Whether it was making something else out of it using the skin for roofing material or building materials, they understood that it was something more to the value of these uh, in, internal organs of the animals that they slaughtered. So it's very interesting, Yahuwah asking for the lobe or the kidneys and the liver because those are specifically the organs used for divination. And it's, it's in another place. I'm going to make, make sure I note it when we get to that point in reading in the scripture. But it tells us that the people who were during divination, the Chaldeans, magicians, sorcerers, they were able to discern certain things from looking at the, the organs out of um, slaughtered animals. Basically, that's that's the point I wanted to highlight and just help us understand that um, it's something to these sacrifices and these certain organs that the Most High is asking for. But notice he's not asking for meat besides the whole burnt offering some of the meat went to the priest but these certain organs the fat that we're not able to eat the liver and the kidneys which we most part don't eat that is the 
specifically what he's asking for in some of these offerings. So, verse 10, I'm going to read it again. Just as these are taken from the ox of the sacrifice of the peace offerings, and the priest will burn them on the altar of burnt offering. Verse 11, again, nuance in this chapter. But the skin of the bull and all his flesh with his head, his legs, his entrails, and his dung, and all the rest of the bull, he will carry outside the camp to a clean place, to an ash heap, and will burn it up on a fire, on a fire of wood, and the ash heap will be burnt up. Verse 13, so that was if the priest sinned. Now we're talking about if the whole congregation sinned. So it's nuances to this chapter, and again, these certain things the priests and the leaders would have come to for judgment and knowing exactly what to do in different scenarios if different people, different classes of people sin unintentionally. So I hope you guys stand with me and I hope the scripture is making sense. I don't want to stop and interject too much, but um, I hope it's making sense for you guys. And if not, again, this is the beginning of the study. You can always reread, stop, pause, and uh, really get the understanding. Verse 13. If the entire congregation of Yashra sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they do any one of the things that Yahuwah's commandments ought not to be done. That's important. It stick with you whether you know it or not. And they realize their guilt. When the sin which they have committed becomes known, the assembly will offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering and bring it in front of the tent of meeting. And the elders of the congregation, so the elders got a job. The elders of the congregation will lay their hands on the head of the bull before Yahuwah, and the bull will be killed before Yahuwah. Then the anointed priest will bring some of the blood of the bull into the tent of meeting, and the priest will dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before Yahuwah in front of the veil. Notice that seven again, family. So in this case, on the, on the unintentional sins, we see that the animal is not so much the main part because most of it is carried outside the camp. But the blood of this um, most the top class of animals, the blood of the bull, because we had different types of animals. You could bring a sheep or a goat if it was like a regular person with less money. And they don't even have that, a flock. Then they can bring a turtle dove, which is like the, the least costing, the cheapest offering. But this is the most expensive offering, the bull, the whole cow, male cow, which represents a lot of strength in the culture. He has to be killed, and his blood has to be sprinkled. So I hope it's making sense for you guys. We don't want to sin intentionally or unintentionally, but this is what happened. Okay, verse 18. And he will put some of the blood on the horns of the altar that is in the tender meeting before Yahuwah, and the rest of the blood he will pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tender meeting. Verse 19. And all this fat, so we definitely want the fat. And all its fat he will take from it and burn on the altar. Thus will he do with the bull as he did with the bull of the sin offering. So will he do with this. And the priest will make atonement for them and they will be forgiven. And he will carry the bull outside the camp and burn it up as he burnt the first bull in the sin offering. It is a sin offering for the assembly. Verse 22, listen carefully. When a leader sins, doing unintentionally any one of all the things that by the commandments of Yahuwah, our Elohim, ought not to be done, and realizes his guilt. That's a very big uh, preface. Like, this person in this situation do this, which not, you know, we got to understand is 
so many different circumstances. But we all should consider ourselves leaders. The sin which he has committed is made known to him. He will bring as his offering a goat. So if a leader sin, one leader may not have a whole bull, but he could bring a goat. A male without blemish. And will lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before Yahuwah. It is a sin offering. Then the priest will take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour out the rest of his blood at the base of the altar. And all his fat he will burn on the altar like the fat of the sacrifice of peace offering. So the priest will make atonement for him for his sin and he will be forgiven. This is the whole point. Like why are we doing these sacrifices again? Because it's the steps required for forgiveness at that time. At that time. Verse 27. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally and doing any one of the things that by Yahuwah's commandments ought not to be done and realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he will bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish, and for his sin which he has committed. Verse 29. And he will lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of burnt offering. So notice again, this time it's a female goat for, um, you know, any one of the common people. They could bring a even a female, which remember, it was more females than males because males are the ones helping the flock reproduce. You have more females. Um, yeah, so the females and males were important, but the female was like maybe more common because sometimes the males, whatever. So I think this, remember, this sacrifice is for the common people. Verse 30. And the priest will take some of his blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour out all the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he will remove as the fat is removed from the peace offerings. And the priest will burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to Yahuwah. And the priest will make atonement for him. Hallelujah. And he will be forgiven. Verse 32. If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he will bring a female without blemish. So with common people, this is the nuance. With common people, you can bring a goat or a lamb, both female. Which should have been um, readily available. Because everybody had flocks and we were shepherds. If you ain't have a flock, your friend had a flock. And you should be able to get a female animal to bring to Elohim if you sin. Think about it. Verse 32, if he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he will bring a female without blemish. 33, and lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. Then the priest will take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out all the rest of his blood at the base of the altar and all its fat. He will remove as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of peace offering. And the priest will burn it on the altar on top of Yahuwah's full offering. And the priest will make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed. And he will be forgiven. That's the main part, family. We see we read and we prayed. I mean, we prayed first. We prayed, then we read. And we got forgiveness of our sins first. And anybody who caught the sin of Yahuwah and how he operates in his covenant should know that we need to seek forgiveness from him. So that's very important. And this 
chapter goes a long way of spelling out what our forefathers had to do to get forgiveness in those times. So we should feel better about praying, basically. So anyway, thank you guys for reading with us. Thank you guys for walking with us. Thank you guys for taking the time to consider the word that you hold, right? Um, you did yourself a great service. Um, yeah, we ask that you guys continue to uh, follow us, uh, follow the podcast so you get notified when we upload an episode. Uh, interact with us in the question and answer. Below, we'll have link, uh, links to our social media. You guys are more than welcome to follow us there. And uh, until the next chapter, family, we will see you guys. Until the next time, see you guys in the next chapter, something like that. Shalom, 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 family. Thank you guys for joining us and have a great day.